Amen. Mark chapter number five. Mark chapter number five. We go back to the text that we looked into or began to look in last week. And I think we might be on this text for this week and then next week again. Mark chapter five. I'm beginning in verse number 22. It says, And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. So Jesus went with him and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had suffered many things from many physicians, spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may only touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of our blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around the crowd and said, who touched me? She was trying to slip in and slip out. She was trying to get what she needed from God and then forget about Jesus. She was trying to get what she needed for God and not give God any glory for it. How many of you know your testimony is needed? How many of you know it's not just slip in, get what you need from God, and exit? Sometimes God, most of the time, all of the time, God wants us to stay around long enough so that he can use Our testimony. Our testimony is not just a victory for us. Our testimony is a victory for the kingdom that God wants to use, not just for us, but for others. Jesus said, Hey, before you go, I got, I got to ask you, who was it that touched me? It touched me. And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. Notice, um, he knew it was a her who touched him. Because when we touch Jesus, Jesus can be touched by what touches us. He, he understands our story. And uh, he looked around to see her who had done this thing, but the woman fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And when he was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. Today we return to our study of endurance that we started last week when we stepped into the story of the woman that I call Rocky. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your power. I thank you for your anointing and your word. Would you make it real to the hearts of every listener? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. This woman's story is not a singular story, as we said last week, but it was intertwined with somebody else's story. Interestingly enough, the ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, who had the power to put her to death for being out in public while she was considered to be infectious. And perhaps that was the plan of the enemy for her life after torturing her for 12 long years, physically and emotionally, that she would be sentenced to death by Jairus, whose story, her story was intertwined with. And I'm Imagine from the enemy's perspective that that is what 
he was walking her into. I imagine from the enemy's perspective, he was walking her into a death trap. I imagine as the enemy watched from a distance what was happening in this woman's life, that he was going like this with her hands because the woman who was not supposed to be out in public was now walking into the story of the person who had the ability to put her to death. And so the enemy was probably grimacing from ear to ear saying, this is her death sentence. But as we pointed out last week, there are always two stories happening at the same time. Heaven's story and hell's story. Hell's story was this is a death trap. Heaven's story was this was a healing testimony. And I want to encourage you again, don't lose faith in heaven's story. Heaven's writer is much more powerful than hell's writer. Heaven's story has a plan to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a bright future. But that's not my subject for today. My subject for today is endurance, and I'm calling today's message the end game, kudos to Thanos, the end game of endurance, the end game of endurance. Why should we endure, and what is the reward for those that do. This woman, as you know, just a little bit of the background for those of you that weren't here last week, we forgive you for missing church or going to the beach instead or stopping tuning in online. We forgive you for all that. We're glad that you're listening now. This woman has been sick for 12 long years. She has been relegated to be quarantined totally from her family and community. She has lost everything due to her issue of blood, her interaction with her husband, her interaction with her kids, her interaction with her friends, her ability to go to church. She's lost all her money. She's lost her health. She is progressively getting worse. And even though she has been from doctor to doctor, she hasn't given up. She is still fighting for a better tomorrow. Most people would have given it up had they been through what she's been through, but she is still fighting. She's in another city looking for another physician, another doctor who could do something for her that the last 12 years of doctors could not. She's fighting, she's swinging, she's searching, she won't stay down, she has endurance, she has staying power, she is a woman who when life counts her out. She gets back up on her feet. She might stagger back up to her feet. She might drag herself back up to her feet because sometimes you got to do that in life, but she is still fighting. And that's why I gave her the nickname Rocky. She's the epitome of endurance. Little does she know that even though she is in another city searching for another physician who she will not find, thank God sometimes for empty searches. Thank God sometimes we don't find what we're looking for in the places that we're looking for it in. Because if we found the things that we were looking for in the places that we were looking for it in all of the time, then we would miss what God really wants us to find. She's in a place and she's looking for a doctor that she will not find, but she doesn't even know that heaven has scheduled an appointment for her with Jehovah Rapha, the great physician, the physician that never has to tell a patient, I'm sorry, there's nothing that we can do for you. This Jesus, let's not forget this, during this time of pandemic, is the great physician. He can still do abundantly above, exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Let's not forget that he is who he said he is. is Exodus chapter 15, verse number 26. I am the Lord that healeth you. And she is still fighting. 
She hears about, if you remember from last week, the Jesus definitive article in the original language. She hears about the miracle worker, the blind man healer, the leper cleansing man from Galilee. And uh, he is passing her by. He passes by her exact location. She heard the noise of the crowd about this miracle worker, and she decides to shift her strategy. She goes from a strategy to find a doctor to a strategy to crawl or get to the master, the savior, any way that she can. And when I was preparing this, I heard God say, tell somebody, shift your strategy. Shift your strategy. Don't game plan around God. Game plan through God. Don't game plan with God as a last resort. Game plan with God as the first resort. By the way, that's a good strategy to have God at the center of it. Problem is for her, Jesus is moving away from her. And this is an unusual circumstance because in most encounters with Christ in the Bible, Jesus is moving toward the people that encounter him. But in this unique circumstance, Jesus is moving away from her. And he's moving expeditiously at a frenetic pace because he has to go to the home of Jairus to heal his daughter who is at the point of death. And so this woman is experiencing greater distance between herself and Jesus as she is trying to get to Jesus. And maybe you're watching and maybe you felt like at times in your life, like God is moving away from you. Have you ever felt like the distance between you and God is getting greater and greater and greater? That God is not hearing you? Have you ever felt like getting through to God is just too difficult and too hard? I've got good news for you that when you have endurance, it closes the gap between you and God. Not only does it close the gap between you and God, but it also enables you to overcome the obstacles that the enemy will put in your way. And make no mistake about it, the enemy will put obstacles in your way to connecting with Christ. For this woman, not only did she have the obvious obstacles, her physical condition, she was weak, frail, and tired. Her mental condition, she was weary. Her quarantine condition, she wasn't supposed to be caught out in public. But then she's got a crowd between her and Jesus who is moving away from her. The odds are stacked against her, to say the least, but she has endurance, and endurance is the difference maker in our lives. It enables us to overcome all of the obstacles that the enemy puts in our way. I said it last week, let me say it again. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11 says, The race is not to the swift nor the battle is to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. In other words, at some time, some way, God will pass by exactly where you are. He will pass by your circumstance. He will pass by your situation. And the question is, are you going to have the endurance to capitalize on the moment where you and Christ crash with one another? The word from heaven is stay with it. The word from heaven is don't give up. The word from heaven is don't throw in the towel. The word from heaven is don't let the enemy count you out. Press 
forward. Notice the text says she came behind in the press. The apostle Paul says in Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There is a prize when we press. There is a reward when we stay with it. And this woman knew it. Listen to what she said. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of our blood was dried up and she felt in our body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? She got the reward of staying with it, the prize of pressing in. She experienced the why of endurance because when you press in, when you endure, the end game of endurance is you get a touch of heaven, a touch from the master, a touch that is like no other touch in this day of social distancing where we are told not to touch one another not to touch this not to touch that there is one touch that we must always continue to crave no matter what and that is the touch of heaven because it makes all the difference in your life there's an old song the kids don't know it it says shackled by a heavy burden neath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I'm no longer the same. And all the joy that flooded my soul, because he touched me. He touched me. Something happened, and now I know he touched me, and he made me whole. There's one touch that every single one of us needs, and it is the end game of endurance, experiencing the touch of Almighty God. Three things about God's touch, and I'm done. The first thing that I want you to know about God's touching, this is more to remind you, and that is that God can be touched. As I alluded to earlier, sometimes it feels like the distance between us and God is getting bigger and bigger by the day. Sometimes it feels so hard to touch God. Coupled with that with the fact that the enemy puts these obstacles in our way that prevent us or try to stop us from touching God because he knows that if we touch God, it's, it's game over. The obstacles the enemy puts in her way were many, and we enumerated them already. She has the obvious obstacles, physical condition, weak, frail, and tired, mental condition, weary, quarantine condition. If she's caught out in public, she gets put to death. But then there's the crowd, and then there's Jesus moving away from her. From all appearance of it, God could not be touched. From the appearance of it, it was too hard to touch God. From the appearance of it, it was, why bother trying to touch Jesus? She could have said, not only do I have to deal with my physical limitations, not only do I have to deal with my emotional limitations, not only do I have to deal with these quarantine conditions, but now I've got to fight a crowd. Some of you right now are feeling like that with everything that the world is pressing in on you. She could have said, God is too hard to touch. But I want to remind you of a central truth of Scripture that is taught to us over and over again. And it's the central truth of this story. And that is don't let the devil convince you that God is too hard to touch. Throughout Scripture, this truth is powerfully conveyed. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 1 says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have 
touched. This we proclaim is the word of life. What is the gospel? What is the writer of the gospel of John in his epistle, his first epistle, trying to tell us? He's trying to tell us that one of the whole reasons why Jesus came to earth, why left heaven, put on flesh and blood, walked in our earth suit, went about this realm, this earth, is so that we would know God is not just distant, but God can be touched. John is telling us that despite the crowd that's in your way, he can be touched. Despite the physical limitations that you might be going through, he can be touched. Despite the emotional ramifications of what you're experiencing, he can be touched. Despite the disappointments that life puts in our way, he can be touched. Do whatever it takes to touch him. Don't believe the lie. Don't let despair have the final word. Like this woman, do whatever it takes to touch God. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 15 says, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He can be, notice the phrase, touched by our infirmities. Now, this is common to us because we hear it in church, but to the Jewish mind, this was preposterous. A high priest touched by the infirmities of the people that he is the or he is the high priest over in the Bible, high priest infirmities and touch did not go hand in hand. In the Bible, if you had an infirmity, you weren't allowed to touch the high priest because that would make the high priest unclean. There were ceremonial cleansings that you would have to go through, that the high priest would have to go through if they were touched by somebody who had an infirmity. But this verse in this story tells us something different about our high priest, Jesus, and it tells us that he broke the rules of touch. He, unlike the priests of old, can be touched with our infirmities. And so when we are dirty... We can still touch him. When we're sick and sinful, we can still touch him. Religion says you cannot touch God, but the Bible tells a different story that the God of heaven can be touched. If you're broken, he says, touch me. If you're sinful, he says, touch me. If you're dirty, ostracized, and outcast, God says, touch me. I wish I was in a crowded room so I could get an amen right now. He can be touched. And he is touched. When we hurt, he grimaces. When we get poked, he says, ouch. When we hurt, he feels the pain. When we cry, he sheds a tear. He can be touched. D don't ever give up because of the distance that life seems to put between you and God. He can be touched. Now, here's what I love about touching God. When we touch God, he touches us back. And, and if this doesn't excite you, it's because you, you just, you don't understand. Because there's nothing, nothing like the touch of Jesus. Verse 27 again, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction 
I know people talk about don't walk by feelings, walk by faith. You know what I like? I like when my faith and my feelings come into alignment. I, I don't really like one or the other. If I got to choose, I'll choose to walk by faith. But I'll tell you what happens. There is some type of extraordinary explosion when my faith and my feelings collide with one another. Because my feelings aren't from the devil despite what the church would have us believe. God is the one that made me with feelings. And I don't know about you, but I like when my feelings serve my faith. I don't like when my feelings and my faith are apart from one another. I like when they collide. And in that moment, her faith and her feelings collided because that's what happens when you get touched by Jesus. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Check it out, check it out. She touched him. She felt him touch her back. Jesus then knew that power had gone out of him. Let me say it again. She touched him. She felt him touch her back. She knew that power had gone out of him. What's that mean? It means that when we touch God, he touches us back. Here's the question. What does he touch us back with when we touch him? The short answer is power. The short answer is power. It's like that old song. I'm on old songs. There is power, power, wonder-working power. In the precious blood of the Lamb. They, they don't know nothing about that song either. This is crazy, man. We, we, we got to bring back some of these old songs. Power. He touches us with but The word power is the Greek word. It's, it's not dunamis, which is Acts chapter 4, but it's dynamis, little, little variation. It's also where we get the word dynamite from. It means inherent power. How many of you know God, Jesus, has inherent power? power. It means power for performing miracles. It means moral power. I think we could, we could, we could say lie on that. Moral power. I wonder how many people who have no moral power working in their lives have ever really gotten touched by Jesus. Because we like to believe that as a Christian, it's okay to live immorally. But yet the Bible says when the true Jesus, the Jesus, touches us, that he touches us with not just miraculous power or inherent power, but with moral power. The power to have excellence in our soul. It also means the power and influence which belongs to riches and wealth. Contrary to popular belief, there is more influence and there is more power with those who have riches and wealth than those who don't have riches and wealth. It means that. It means power and resources are rising from numbers. There is strength in numbers. It's why we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. It's why where two or three agree on earth that's touching anything. I'm sick of hearing these preachers tell everybody that the church is not just a building. We understand that the church is not a building, but we have to and we should seek to assemble ourselves. And I got news for all the preachers. You don't want your building? Give it to me. I'll take it. Hello? Power from numbers. Power consisting in or resting upon armies. 
it seems or it means that when Jesus, when she touched Jesus, Jesus touched her back with miracle working power, soul cleansing power, and power of the angel armies of heaven. He touched her back with dynamis, dunamis, Dynamite, what's that mean? He blew up her infirmity. That blew up, that power blew up the devil's death sentence on her life. It blew up the emotional bondage that she was in. I almost called this principle the JJ principle. Nobody knows nothing about that either. Anybody remember good times? Yeah. Somebody said, yeah, good times. We had a good time last night. Now, I'm talking about those kind of good times. I'm talking about the TV show, Good Times. And in the TV show, there was a character. His name was J.J., and he was famous. He would say, dynamite. J.J. was famous for saying dynamite, but Jesus is famous for sending dynamite. I don't know about you, but I'd rather get Jesus than J.J. So what happens in this story? She touches him. He touches her back with power. But this is even deeper because the text is describing. She touches him. She feels touched back. Jesus feels something leave his body. This is describing an exchange that takes place here. When we reach out and we touch God in faith, an exchange takes place. He gets our pain. We get his power. He gets our sickness, we get his healing. He gets our emptiness, we get his completeness. He gets our uncertainty, we get his assurance. He gets our brokenness, we get his blessing. He gets our care, we get his cure. He gets our worry, we get his comfort. He gets our despair, we get his hope. He gets our problems, we get his promises. He gets our disappointments, we get his dynamite. I think our problem is we're trying to get rid of worry. We're trying to get rid of an ailment. We're trying to get, instead of trying to get rid of those things, let's make our aim, we're going to touch Jesus. See, there's a whole difference between the two because the one has at its aim, I've got to get closer to Christ. The one has at its aim that if I can just get as close to Christ as I possibly can, by nature of my proximity to Christ, my problem is going to get absorbed in his presence instead of trying to get rid of the problem, get into the presence of Almighty God and watch the problem automatically be dealt with. She gets into his presence. She touches him. He touches her back. I heard God say this when I was preparing this. He said, it seems unrelated, but it's not. He said, "Um, tell them that's why I want them to bless me at all times. To have their praise continually on their lips. Because when they bless me at all times... When their praise are continually on my lips, what happens is that the praise pierces through the problem. It's like the hand of the individual stretching out past the distance, past the crowd between them and Christ and touching the hem of his garments. It could be why they don't want us to sing in church. Because if we sing, we we pierce the problem. We sing, we, we touch his garment. And when we touch him, it is game over. I've told this story before, but I grew up in a duplex in Staten Island. My cousins lived next door to me. 
We shared the same backyard. We were like brothers always at each other's house and stuff like that. And, and my cousin James, who, who wound up being bigger than me, I would beat him up all the time growing up. I'd, you know, whenever we got it, I'd just beat him up. You know, but but it took me a while to beat him up. Sort of like I beat Pastor Brandon at all sporting events that we play. It's kind of like that. Anyway, anyway, and um, what would happen though is it would you know that would just be if we got into a tip. But if we would just fool around, if I ever like just poke James, he would turn off and punch me as hard as he can. And I'd say, "What's that for, man?" All, all there was Pokey. He said, "He said you touch me, I do you one better." And I, and any time I think of that, I think of how God touches us. Because we touch God, guess what God does? He does us one better. And here's what God told me to declare over you. If sickness has touched your life, one better's coming your way. If tragedy has touched your life, one better's coming your way. If heartache has touched your life, one better is coming your way. If setback has touched your life, one better's coming your way. If loss has touched your life, one better is coming your way. You don't believe me? Listen. Isaiah 61, verse number 7. Because you got a double dose of trouble. Anybody experiencing a, a double dose of trouble? America's experiencing a double dose of trouble. Because you experienced a double dose of trouble and more than your share of contempt. There, there is what is natural, just being an individual walking the planet. In this world, we will have persecution. In this world, we will have trouble. There is a share of this that we all experience as a result of walking on the planet. But there are some people, they get a double dose of trouble and more than their share of contempt. God said, if that's you, your inheritance in the land will be doubled and your joy go on forevermore. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, if you've been touched by trouble, get ready to be touched double by the God of heaven. That's coming your way when God touches us. He touches us better than when we touch him. Last thought for today. Last thought for today. His touch is a difference maker. For 12 years, this woman suffered many things of many physicians. She had gotten no better, better but only grew worse. And in one millisecond of a moment, a nanosecond, in a moment, in the original language, whenever the Bible uses the word moment, it's, it's the original word mamitos. It's where we get the word molecules or atoms from. In that quick. In, in that quick. What doctors couldn't do in 12 years, in that quick. Jesus did with a touch in a second. Why? His touch is the difference maker. Listen to me. His touch on your marriage makes all the difference. His touch on your kids, all the difference. His touch on your job and in your finances, all the difference. His touch on your body, all the difference. His touch on your mind, all the difference. His touch on your worry, all the difference. His touch on your friendships, on your relationships, all the difference. His touch on your life, all the difference. What a difference his touch can make. This woman said, I'm not quitting because all it takes is one touch from the Jesus to turn my situation around. If I can only touch... 
I have struggled for doctors to touch me for 12 years. But today I have changed my strategy. And today I am going to change it to if Jesus can touch me. Because if Jesus touches me, one touch from the king changes everything. One touch from the king changes everything. I want to say it one more time. One touch from the king changes everything. Why should you give up? Why should you quit now? All it takes is one touch.